0: Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this Wednesday edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're excited to continue talking Sunbelt football, but before we do, we wanted to remind you to go back and listen to our last episode where we previewed the top 10 Sunbelt quarterbacks heading into the 2023 season. And here's a spoiler. We're going to talk a lot about one of them on today's episode today on episode 77 of the show. We're really excited to welcome one of the biggest additions to the Sunbelt this offseason, Coastal Carolina Head coach Tim Beck to the Prairie and Smith podcast. Caden, I know that you're really excited about this hire and what Tim brings to the table and the possibilities that that will present, particularly on offense this upcoming season.
1: Yeah. When you look at Tim's background, there's really no denying his resume and how impressive it is looking at all his stops and what he was able to do on the offensive side of the ball. And historically, when you look at this coastal team, the last couple of years, they've done some great things on the offensive side of the ball, too. So really excited to have the opportunity to pick his offensive brain, kind of get an idea of what this coastal offense that's been so successful, how it could look different, how it could look the same, possibly heading into this season.
0: Hey, it could be the greatest show on teal turf in college football. Well, Caden, a little bit more on Tim's career. Tim began his coaching career at the high school level all the way back in 1988 after a brief career at Central Florida. After numerous stops, though, over the past 20 years, he finally landed that coveted title of offensive coordinator when he was promoted by Bo Pelini at Nebraska in 2011. Since that 2011 season, he's held that or a similar title at four power five schools, including Ohio State, Texas, and most recently, NC State. Kane. he's really become synonymous with his work with some of the country's top quarterback prospects, including Joe Burrow, Sam Ellinger, JT Barrett, Devin Leary, among kind of a lengthy list there. On December 4th of this past year, he was announced as the fourth head coach uh, at Coastal Carolina following the departure of Jamie Chadwell. And now, Caden, he will take over a program that has had more wins than every college football program not named Alabama or Georgia since 2020. Caden, he had a great, or we really had a great time talking with Tim back on this interview. Give our listeners a quick preview of what they'll hear from Tim during this interview.
1: I never lie to our listeners and this interview just has about everything in it. We talk about football on the field. We talk about his journey to this Coastal Carolina job. We talked about even things like name, image, likeness in the transfer portal and his ideas on that, and of course getting into some of his stuff off the field and what he enjoys outside of football. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with new Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck.
0: Well, we're really excited to have Tim Beck on the podcast. Tim, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today.
2: Uh, you guys got it. Appreciate it. Always, uh, always want to be able to have an opportunity to talk about the shots.
0: Well, we know that as a head coach, uh, there's not much open time in your schedule. You guys are actively out recruiting now that we're in the spring. But let's jump all the way back to December 4th. You're announced as the head coach uh, at Coastal Carolina. You replaced Jamie Chadwell, who left for Liberty. Uh, you've been a longtime Power Five uh, coordinator, assistant coach. What made this job at Coastal Carolina so appealing to Tim Beck?
2: So, um, kind of ironic, my daughter actually played volleyball here and came on a recruiting visit in the summer of, uh, I think, 17, 16, 17, somewhere in that, t- in that range. Um, and and that's when I first saw a Coastal. And, you know, I just... I saw the potential. I went to Central Florida way back and uh when I went there was like 17,000 students and now it's one of the largest schools and I saw I saw tourists, saw a lot of things to do, I saw warm weather, I saw a beach, right? And and so I go to Central Florida and now it's this monster school and I I'm looking at Coastal Carolina seeing you know a, a version of Central Florida uh way back. And then When my daughter went to school, she loved it here and the the opportunities. And I did get a chance to come down, be around. I watched, uh, got a chance to meet a lot of people and and just great people here. Right. I mean, just they they love Coastal. Uh, There's some great Southern hospitality. Uh, But I but I saw the transition of my daughter. I saw her grow into an incredible young woman, a hard worker. Um, And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep my eye on this place because it's uh it's it's a gold mine, right, and so very blessed and had the opportunity to get closer getting to North carolina state and so i it was even more at reach and then when the opportunity presented itself i just, I was just really blessed to have the opportunity to be the head coach. that was good. <laughs>
1: Noah touched on the first question about your experience. You have over 18 years of experience at the Power 5 level, including 12 as a coordinator. And now you're the top guy of a college program, the top first head coaching job of your career. What's been the biggest challenge early on and what's been the most rewarding part so far?
2: So the biggest challenge, I tell my wife this, she said, "How? what's different? I said, I got to stay out of the assistant coach's way. That's the biggest thing, right? So the years that I've been a coordinator, one of the things, you know, the coordinator has a plan. He's got a way he wants to do things, right? He's got... And then, you know, the head coach, it's his program. So when they come to you and start telling you, what about this? What about this? What about this? You feel as a coordinator, like you're obligated to, uh, okay, this is the head coach. He's telling me what to do. I need to do it. Right. And so it takes away from that. And as a coordinator, I felt like at times you're more worried about doing what the head coach wants to do than you're trying to have the, the best plan, the best success. Hey, let's score touchdowns kind of deal. So, the the biggest challenge for me, stay out of their way. Our really good guys, let them go do their job. Um you know, it's just it's rewarding to be able to give back. You know, I've I got into coaching because I I love to mentor kids. I love to to be out on the grass and and feel the sun coming down, man, and going out there and, and seeing a plan come together and watch guys execute it and have success and everybody's hugging each other and they're jumping around and they're having a great time when they see that work, right? And when they don't, how they got to get picked up. And and so that's my job, to mentor them, to teach them, to guide them. And now I got a chance to do it with coaches. I, from all the experience and the schools that I've been at and the people, the ADs, the coaches, the assistant coaches, the players, the, the people I've been around to see that and to share those stories, to share that experience with them, that maybe one day that they could carry that on. And that's probably the most rewarding thing for me right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's really neat. Uh, You know, we hear a lot about coaching trees in this industry, and now uh, Tim Beck gets to build his coaching tree out uh, moving forward in the future. Uh, Tim, you take over for Jamie Chadwell, who was a great coach during his tenure at this Coastal Carolina program. He built a championship-level program with probably one of the most unique uh, cultures in college football. Uh, Since you've taken over this job, how have you balanced kind of that past history from your predecessor with also bringing kind of your unique flair to this program.
2: Yeah. So he did, he did an outstanding job. And, and I mean, I, one of the first things I told the, the staff when I got here and even the players was thank you, you know, just what a tremendous job they've done for Coastal Carolina, the community, the fan base, the, the students. Um, And certainly you want to build on, on what, not only Jamie and Joe Moglia and, and coach Bennett over the years and the 20 years existence of football, they've won nine championships. So it's, it this, it's, there's something here, right? I mean, it's, it's the people, right? It's the leadership um, from top down uh, it's the players they recruit, we recruit. And so I, I think, I think it's all of it. Uh, and so we're just trying to build on that. Obviously there's um uh, changes right um i come in much different than all the predecessors because of being at those levels i see that level i understand um that there's there's more out there right and so to continue to push the guys to get them to to the level to push the the program the facilities the whatever it could be the administration the, to continue to challenge and give innovative new ideas to try to make coastal Carolina better, uh, and enhance what we've already built. That's kind of the, the track I've been taking right now. And coach, after you got the job, I feel like keeping Grayson McCall
1: had to be one of the top priorities of the program. He decides to go into the transfer portal when the season ended. Could you just walk us through what kind of re-recruiting him and recommitting him to the coastal Carolina program look like?
2: Yeah. So obviously he was, uh, by far the best recruit we signed. I don't know why we didn't get higher recruiting rankings. I mean, I don't know anybody <laughs> signed a better player than him in the country. <laughs> like but um yeah, you know, I I knew of Grayson uh before actually just because I've watched him play cuz again, my daughter and and uh being a volleyball player and football, they they there was a lot of uh connection with the two of them. So I kind of knew of him and Watched him. Being at North Carolina State, he's from North Carolina. You know, I had gotten there after he had already signed. So I kind of kept my eye on him. So I knew about him. And so when I got in, there was, it wasn't like he didn't know me and I didn't know him. We kind of knew each other a little bit. So um, I, I think there was a great, like, I have a lot of respect for the way he plays the game. I, he, he's extremely tough, an incredible leader, um, a winner. He loves to compete. And so, like I, I'm, blown away by how competitive and driven he is. And there were things that I could provide for him. And I think that there was a respect of, hey, you know, some of the quarterbacks you've coached in the past, how you've been able to improve them and help them along the ways. Maybe you can do, maybe you can do that for me. Maybe you can help me, uh, in in areas to, to get me ready to go to the next level. So I think there was a mutual connection immediately because of that. Uh, He loves coastal. I don't think he ever really wanted to go. But I think um, as anybody would, you had to you had to dip your toe in the water and see kind of what was out there and what was going on. And because that's the way of the world right now. And and how do you not? How do you not? And so I think everybody respected that about it. And I think that was all part of it. And so just having constant communication of what were you looking for? Like, what were the things? Why? Why leave? What were you going to try to get out of it? And how can we help you in those areas? And and that's really what it came down to. And at the end of the day, I thought I think he realized staying here was probably just as good as leaving because he's going to be able to get the same thing, if not better here than he would have potentially somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important message because in this day and age with the transfer portal, we see people going and looking for those greener pastures. But sometimes that greener pasture is right at home. Uh, It is also good to confirm that he pisses teal. I know that that's been talked about, so uh, that's good to hear. Um, You know, Tim, you've worked with some great quarterbacks in your coaching journey from Joe Burrow and JT Barrett at Ohio State, Devin Leary at NC State, Sam Ellinger at Texas, among some of the most notable Now that you've inherited kind of one of the greatest group of five quarterbacks in Grayson McCall, what's impressed you most about watching him play up close?
2: Well, again, his presence, obviously. Um, One of the things I always look for is pocket presence and toughness. You know, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks, but when you put heat on them, they they, uh, tend to get a little nervous back there. They start to feel the rush a little bit. Grayson doesn't. Grayson's really good. He's got great vision, great spatial awareness kind of gets a feel where everyone's going to be. Um, that part's very impressive with them. Um, he's very accurate with the ball. I mean, very accurate and makes good decisions, you know. And so those are, in my opinion, what helps quarterbacks go to the next level. Pocket presence, um, ball placement, and good decisions, right? Those kind of things. And the people always say, what about arm strength? What about, you know, velocity? What about spiral? Yeah, those are all plus things. But at the end of the day, you know what his job is? His job is to get the ball to the open guy on time. That's it. Nobody said make it look pretty. Who cares? He could kick it there as far as I care. As long as he gets it there on time. Right. And that's and that's impressed me about him. And it's just. The things we work on are elevating the game all around. Let's talk through protections. Let's talk through reads. Let's talk through coverages. Why do they play this coverage? What happens when they blitz? What you might have to expect. When do you think they might blitz? What happens on third and long? What kind of coverage are you going to get? And talking them through the game to become a student of the game, to be a quarterback, right, to be a quarterback. Guys play quarterback because they got good arms and can throw the ball. Being a quarterback that's going to help them at the next level. I see this rotation. That means this. That means it's going to be covered three. I got to throw the ball to that guy over there, based on this play. The ball's not even snapped yet, and they know that. That helps them. Now it comes down to timing, footwork, ball placement. Like that's it. And you see so many guys get the ball, and they're like, "Where do I go? Where do I go? What do I do?" Because they don't understand that part of it. And they got great arms. They may be able to extend plays with their feet. But at the end of the day, like these are the type of things that we're trying to work with him to continue to help develop his game. And obviously it's and obviously we're different than what they've done. Right. We have elements of what they've done in the past, but it's it's different. And so he's learning a new offense.
1: That's great stuff, coach. And we've talked on this podcast, too, about how he might not have the strongest arm. He might not be the best athlete in the conference. But as far as his decision making and what he does to set his team up to win, there's no denying it. But you touched on it a little bit, coach, getting into the X's and O's of this scheme. This offensive attack at Coastal in recent years has been a very unique and tough one to stop. I can speak from experience playing against it. You'll bring your own offensive philosophies now to the table with a lot of those same weapons from last year. What should we just expect
2: schematically from this offense this year? Yeah. So a few things um, kind of going back and I'll, and I'll get your question, but like you were talking about him, not being the fastest most Joe wasn't either. Like Joe wasn't, Joe was sneaky fast. Right. And so he just, Devin Leary, sneaky fast. Like, you know, so you can be very efficient and very effective. You don't have to be this. And Grayson's probably better at it than you think. Right. I remember when Johnny Menzel came out and Texas A&M came up and they, they were visiting with me about how I had Taylor Martinez at Nebraska. And so they were wanting to know how do we get Johnny Manziel more in the run game like you guys did with Taylor. And I, and I, at the end of the day, I was like, guys, put him in empty and shotgun. That's when he's best. Don't design runs for him. Let him go back there and go. Cause he's really good. And so sometimes guys are better at that. Right. To go to your question. Um, uh, how you know our our offensive system and, and being different in their system and being different. Here's my my number one thing. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. So you gotta have really good defense. Right. So at the end of the day, they were a very efficient offensive football team and and scored points and did some stuff and won a lot of games. Um we we I felt like their the uh, coastal's been ahead offensively and Behind a little bit defensively, and so we're trying to level that play a little bit. So, uh, systematically, we got really good skill guys offensively, and so we're going to try to get the ball to them in space, and that's really what our offense is in a nutshell. Well, coach, how is it? You're going to run it? You're going to throw it to him? Pitch it to him? Snap it to him? Yep, we're going to do all of it. Like, however, we get the ball to the guys in space, create one-on-one matchups, and and go. Basically, my philosophy has always been real simple. Don't overcomplicate this, right? Because if you give us coaches enough time, we'll screw it up. Just give us enough time. But it's really a simple game. You know what it is? Go where they
0: ain't. That's it. Wherever
2: they're not, that's where we got to go. How do we get there? I don't really care. Just get the ball there.
0: So confirming that we will get to see the greatest show on Teal Turf uh, this coming season. Uh, (laughs) Coach, you talked about some of the skill players, and Jared Brown is probably one of the more unique weapons uh, in this conference, has a fantastic freshman year last year. We know he was great in the run game as well as the pass game last season for the shots. Tell us how are you planning to showcase that talent in the offense this season?
2: Yeah, I love Jared. Boy, he's worked really hard, really uh, is elevating his play as a wide receiver. He's a tremendous athlete, speed, great change of direction, great hands, and um, very smart by the previous staff to get him the ball as much as they could. Um, And and that's a good way of doing it. We'll be very similar, right? I think he's a dynamic player, big play capability to get him the ball. Um, The thing that, that I like, what I see of him is he's working at his craft. He's learning to become a really good wide receiver, how to use different techniques fundamentals to get off man coverage set set guys up routes learning zone you know we're trying to teach a little bit more of the why's for our guys offensively and defensively as opposed to hey run this curl at 14 yards and come back like here's what we're going to do and here's why we're doing it here's why the space is important and so that takes longer right takes longer it's a lot easier to tell a guy what to do and he just goes out there and does it and then you start telling them the why. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, your communication gets better. Your ability to adjust gets better. Right. When they understand why, because their communication gets better. They come back coach. He was doing this. I, 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 need to do, as opposed to, yeah, I ran my curl. I know you went outside. You need to go inside release on that. Oh, I do. Well, you said 14 yards on a curl. Like, so that's, we're trying to get that part and he's really adapted to it and really, Refining his game,
1: Coach. I'm a former defensive back, and you brought it up a little bit before with the defense last year. So I think it's cool to bring it up. But the secondary struggled a little bit last year. This is a defense that gave up the most yards in the air per game in the conference, and you lose important players like a Jordan Strong and a Lance Boykin in that secondary. But you bring Craig Niverin, who has that secondary experience, coaching it on the defensive side of the ball, and now being an experienced defensive coordinator. How big of an emphasis is that group, maybe the defensive back unit this offseason, and getting that group right?
2: There's no doubt that is um and so our our uh, emphasis has been there. our emphasis for defense has been tackling uh running into the football and creating turnovers like that's the biggest thing. I went in the spring ball with with not a lot of uh, defined goals hey we gotta have it too deep we gotta do like now the biggest thing for me was on defense we gotta we gotta we gotta be tougher. We got to, we got to uh, run to the football. We got to create turnovers. We got to be better on the back end, right? We got to be great tacklers. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. To me, the really good football teams tackle, right? Because the game is a space game. Everybody's going to get the ball in space. Everyone's got, listen, it's not about completing passes in the yard. It's about keeping them out of the end zone. And so, Teaching them the game of football, too, is, is part of what we're doing defensively to help them. Why is this guy split like this? Why? What do you think you're going to get on third and medium? Why? You know, and and just helping those guys. I've seen a tremendous amount of improvement on our team defensively. Um, and the buy-in has been tremendous. I'm, I'm excited the direction that it's going, right? I really am. I think that we have some really good, solid players defensively. but. There's, there's still a lot of competition and spots to fill.
0: Tim, uh, your squad just wrapped up your first spring practice as a head coach. Now that you've had the opportunity to maybe step back, reflect, and maybe even look at some film, what impressed you most about your team this spring?
2: They love football. They love playing football, man. They do. I mean, they, they do whatever you ask them. If, if, I know you can't because it's against the rules, but if we wanted to practice 10 hours, they'd be okay. Let's go. Like They, they don't care. And uh, that part is is uh, you don't have to pull teeth, you don't have to drag them out there, you don't have to try to motivate them every day. They get out there, and they love to play, and they love to compete. Tim, moving off the
1: field, you chose a very interesting time to become a college football coach, becoming one in this name, image, likeness era, in the transfer portal era, becoming so prominent. Just in your few months on the job, how have you seen those two factors really impact the recruiting side as a whole and the game as a whole? Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you. You're right. I probably picked a bad time to become a head coach. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I got here. They're playing for a bowl game. So you got some of the staff still here. You're evaluating the staff, trying to evaluate players, trying to hire a staff. Um, you, you've you got support staff you're trying to deal with. right? You got guys going in the portal. You have recruiting weekends. You had portal. Oh, by the way, the guys that are signing in December 10th in 10 days, You got to keep those guys go see those guys on the road. Try to keep those guys from decommitting and also meet your players so they don't go in the portal. Good luck. Oh, Christmas is coming. We got to go to the bowl game and you got new year's and you still got to get your staff. I mean, it has just been like, whoo, like going. I looked up and December was January was over. I couldn't believe it. And so it's really uh, trying. I think, The big like the biggest thing that I notice now that I talk to recruits, I try to educate them. What is NIL? Like what's really the function of it? What does it mean? I think we as a as a as a uh, world have have a society has uh, sensationalized the NIL like it's some type of uh, grand thing. Like all of a sudden, hey, this guy's getting paid, you know, fifty thousand dollars to play. Well, they don't realize there, there could be an agent fee. There's going to be taxes. There's a contract he has to sign. Made only be a one year deal. If he voids that contract because he misses one social media post that he's fired, like he doesn't get the money. Like I don't think people know that. They just think it's money. Everybody's getting money, but there's work that's required of them. And the more money they make, the more work they have to do. And now the guy's trying to go to school. He's trying to go on a date. He's got football practice and what? I got to go five times a week and go sign autographs? Like, I don't want to do that. And so all of a sudden, that starts to become a little more taxing for some people. And at the end of the day, it'd be interesting to see what was promised to them when they come in as a freshman. And by the time they're a senior and they graduate and leave, what they actually got. Because being at the Power Five schools, being knee deep in some of that, I saw it firsthand how it worked. It's not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. It's not. Um, obviously, there are schools that abuse it, right? They're, tr- they're using it as a recruiting tool. It's not. It's for the student athletes that people use their name. They use their image or likeness, and they're allowed to benefit from that, right? All social media, all these influencers on Instagram and all these type of things like are out making money. They have the right to be able to do that, too. And so um, all for it, I think it's great when used in the right context. Uh, And then, you know, obviously you have the transfer portals. You're dealing with that. And it's an interesting dynamic that's taking place in college football right now because you have a lot of guys are getting agents in NIL and the agents are contacting schools if they represent a player. Hey, my guy would leave if how much you willing to buy him for. Type deal, or they call the the parent or the high school football coach, and they alert the high school football coach, "Hey, you know, Joe Smith at X University, he, he'll get in the portal for the right money." Tell his parents, tell the kid, or hey, this school will will do this for him, and so kids are already setting up deals before they leave through that, and and so. That, that's what makes it. And so what happens is with the NIL, they, that's why they have to get in the portal. Because if they're not in the portal, the school can't talk to them. So the school that's trying to poach them is using NIL agents, high school coaches. They're using the fathers because maybe they've recruited them in the past. So they're not having contact with the player, but they're having contact with a seven-on-seven coach, his quarterback coach, whoever it may be, telling them that. And then the kid's got to get in the portal. He's got to get the portal. Now he can have direct communication with the school. So that they're, they're using the two together. Mm. And so now it's, I mean, eventually we're that will be the NFL, right? There's the, what the Johnson case out in California right now, that's going where the, the student athletes want to become employees of the university and, you know, that type of stuff. And so, all of that's coming, right? The portal is just free agency. NIL is just money. You know, it's just money. It's it's endorsements is basically what it is, and and that's what that's what it's becoming.
0: Well, coach, I definitely appreciate the perspective on that. I don't think uh, a lot of fans realize that. And I appreciate you kind of taking us in depth on that. Um, You know, staying on the transfers real quick, the transfer portal window reopened on April 15th. You've already added seven players from the portal this off season, including Michael Mason, a guy that I know Caden's really excited about. Do you plan once again to be active in that market? And what needs might you look to address as you get set for fall camp?
2: Yes, we are. uh, We'll be active in it. And, um, you know, obviously, we, we've touched base on some areas. Um, you know, I think tight end could be, potentially be a position for us, DBs. Um, some, you know, obviously, some defensive uh players, maybe a quarterback. You know, we have two seniors in, in Jared and um Grayson, and then uh, we have Blake who, who's co- enrolled and coming in um in the summer. So there's a big void between these seniors and a true freshman, so potentially somebody in that in that mid range doesn't have to be a one and done guy. So there's some there's some areas that we need to fill to help our team,
1: Coach. We know how this how this business goes, and it's not easy for coaches. There's a lot of travel. The schedule's rigorous. There's a lot of mobility as far as job movement. And we know that behind any uh, successful coach and all successful coaches, there's that strong support system, especially at home. How supportive has your wife, Tamara and your two children been throughout your career and up until this point with you at Coastal?
2: They, they've been awesome. I mean, man, I'm blessed. Is unbelievable. Like, I can't even – you can't even put it into words. Um, can't, you can't uh, put a value on it. I mean, I think this is like our 12th home that we bought. I mean, she's just packing and moving. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't know anything about anything other than football. Like, I don't know. I mean, the other day she's like, you know, she made a comment like, yeah, it's in the safe. And I was like, we have a safe. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, where's it at? I don't even know we have a safe. She's like, it's in your closet. I'm like, it is? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know. I'm like, where are the keys? Like, Do we have the keys for it? She goes, it's a number code. I'm like, oh. Like, what's the number? I better know what it is. I don't know. None of that. Like, she just handles everything, you know, and uh, God bless her. Like, she's the best. And, and uh, my kids are great. You know, my daughter, she, uh, she wants to be a um, – she's finishing up her master's degree. I was really blessed the last couple of years when um, she got done at Coastal. She went to Meredith College and wanted to become a sports dietitian, and so – did her internship at North Carolina State. So she was on the sidelines with me for the games, which was pretty cool. And my son's married. They lived in England. Is uh, My daughter-in-law is in the Air Force, and so they've been in England. And just, I mean, it's just God works in such great ways. Like, He actually got back the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. They restationed him in Richmond, Virginia. And then like a week later, I'm coming to Coastal. Like, so they were here to be able to be a part of all that for all these years to try to become a head coach instead of him being in England. Like, it's so, it's so cool how that works, but they've been awesome.
0: Yeah, I think that's neat to see as a fellow believer. It's neat to see how those things, uh, you know, get worked out. Um, you know, just quickly staying off the field, we want to know what some of the things that you do for fun are. Are there any hobbies or unique ways that you recharge your batteries in your downtime?
2: Well, I love going to the beach, so this Is also like coming home because, you know, our life, you know, as Caden said, it's like very busy and you're on schedule like today. Right. Eight o'clock. I got this. Nine o'clock. I got this. Ten o'clock. I got this. Whatever. So I like I throw my watch away. I lock it up and the summer comes and I'm like, I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. I'm going to get up when I'm up. I'm going to go to bed when I'm tired. I don't I don't want any schedule at all. And that's one of the things I enjoy the most is just that nothing time, right? I don't want anybody messing with me. But I I occasionally golf, you know, and I I enjoy being outside. Like I'll play golf. I'm not very good, but I like being with the dudes, right? I'll go fishing. I stink. I don't know anything about it. They gotta bait my hook and but I'll go and I'll sit out there for three, four hours and have fun with the guys, right? I'll do stuff like that. But you know, I really can't say that there's a hobby. It's it's probably you know, it's been my family because most of the time we're working and moving and traveling and stuff. So that when I have downtime, it's usually doing stuff with them, whatever it is that they want. I, I, uh, very rarely, my wife and I take, you know, maybe two trips, just us to reconnect, one in the, you know, spring break or January, February, depending on when it is. And then one in the summer for like a week, just a little getaway. And the rest is, What do you guys want to do? Where do you want to go? And so we travel to California and just go see unique parts of the world. And, you know, I try to have our kids don't read about it. Let's live about it. Right. So let's let's go to Washington, D.C. and see everything. We spend a week there. And, you know, so just stuff like that we do. And we just have good family time doing that. And it's got a lot of great memories, a lot of great memories. That's about it. It's not very flashy.
1: Coach, as someone who spent a lot of time on a golf course without a lot of golf skill, I can confirm that you're you're definitely one of the boys and a team player. But last question that we'll leave you with, we've asked almost every guest on the show on this podcast this question. But if you were a baseball player, a WWE wrestler, your walkout song, we've asked every player, it's more of a student athlete question, but we want to know what would Tim Beck's walk up song be if he were getting introduced.
2: That's a good one. Cause it's different than what my favorite song would be. I like The Boys of Summer from Don Enley, but I don't know what my walk up song would be. Never thought about that. Maybe, I dunno, like I you know, you know, maybe like I I listen to some A C D C maybe Thunderstruck, you know. I mean that's that's always a good one. I it kind of gets me going a little bit, you know. Any A C D C song, right? I, you know, I like I like uh Metallica's, you know, like Virginia Tech, what they listen to in the opening. I kinda like that. Yeah, man. And or the Sandman, that's a good one. I'm, I'm kind of I'm a eclectic music guy, but in terms of it, it would be something to that kind of head banging rock and roll, guitar screeching kind of song. Maybe that. A good question. <laughs> I never really thought about that.
0: Yeah, I think we're gonna have to go with that. Maybe some ACDC uh coming out of the tunnel oh, this fall. Struck. Maybe even grow uh a- yeah, there you go. We can even uh, maybe grow the mullet out at some point as well, uh, like coaches have done in the past at Coastal. Well, Tim, we really appreciate your time today. I know you've got a busy schedule. We appreciate you taking some time out, allowing us and our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. And I know we're all excited to watch this Coastal Carolina program this fall. I
2: appreciate you guys. Any Anything you guys ever need, hit me up.
0: Caden, we've both been looking forward to that one. We've been waiting for Coastal Carolina to wrap up spring ball to get a chance to talk with Tim Beck, but the wait was worth it. Uh, Really enjoyed that conversation. His thoughts on Grayson McCall were interesting. You mentioned it before we got into that interview, just how in-depth he went on name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, and kind of how all of that connects. And some of what's wrong with college football, some of what's good about college football, I just found all that particularly interesting in this interview.
1: Yeah, we obviously have our banter amongst ourselves and amongst each other and in the media about name, image, likeness and the transfer portal and just the implications and the changes that's caused to college football. But hearing it coming from the perspective of not only a head coach, but someone who's now a new head coach who has seen the industry over the years and is now stepping into this new role and facing those new challenges head on. It was great to hear his perspective about it. And I think now that we know some of the things he said is going to be interesting to maybe in the future, talk to some more head coaches and hear what they think about it, as well as seeing in the next couple months and years. If it plays out the way he's saying it will for sure at the college level.
0: Yeah, that is uh, particularly fascinating and a storyline to keep our eyes on moving forward. Caden, I know he's an offensive guy, but man, there was a smile on your face when he started talking about his defense and wanting to improve that. That held Coastal Carolina back at times last year. How excited are you about maybe some of the changes that they're making defensively to improve this football team?
1: Yeah, we obviously talked in depth about the offensive side of the ball just because that's where Tim Beck's wheelhouse is and where the wheelhouse of his team has been the last couple years. But him, the fact that he was able to fully admit and kind of tell us that defense is going to be a priority, it's been a priority, and that's Things like tackling and the basics, it's great to hear. It's what you want to hear if you did have a struggling defense last year. And I think him making it a priority only gives me more confidence now looking forward with this team. We're not really worried about the offensive side of the ball with this team. But moving to defense, there are some concerns, and it sounds like he's going to address some of them he already has in spring. And maybe we'll even address some of that in the transfer portal moving forward as well. So very excited to see how this defense shapes out with him making it a priority just by being an offensive coach.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be interesting. You kind of feel like that's what held Coastal Carolina back from a really good season last year, maybe a Cotton Bowl bid, at least a Sunbelt championship. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if they can get those things cleaned up. Well, that'll do it for this loaded episode of the Frarian and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Coastal Carolina Associate Athletic Director Kevin Davis, as well as Head Coach Tim Beck for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget, we'll be back next week on Wednesday, April 26th with the next episode of the Prairie & Smith Podcast. We're working to bring you another exciting interview and hope to be able to announce our guest for Episode 78 in the coming week. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie & Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please like, rate, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We'll continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the Sunbelt Conference. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.